Welcome to Riverside Community Church. <laughs> My name is Brian Doback. The, the wheels have fallen off the wagon today, guys. The bottom has fallen off the, uh, from, the bottom has dropped out. Emotions are flaring today. Tempers are tripping. Israel is worshiping a cow today, okay? Israel is worshiping a cow today. Two weeks ago, Ezra just preached on the Ten Commandments, and we're going to kind of do a quick little review of the first two commandments because that's exactly what the Israelites broke faith in. Those first two commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. So like I said, just a mere few weeks after God gives the commandments, Israel breaks faith. Okay? So, you know, let's, let's go over a, a quick definition of idolatry. You know, th this isn't anything original that I've come up with. Uh, this isn't anything um, probably new to anybody. It's just for the purposes of this sermon so we can have some clarity on what exactly idolatry is. Uh, we all experience idolatry in our lives, and we need to have some clarity on it. So just something I pieced together, something concise. It's pursuing something or someone other than God to give you what only he can give you. Folks, we pursue a lot of things, you know, we pursue a lot of things for significance. We pursue a lot of things for, for our value, uh, our self-worth. You know, we go to a, lots of different things to get those things, but only God can give us those things. Folks, we don't bash religions up here, so I'm not going to point out other religions, but I'm going to say there's a religion out there that has 330 million gods. <laughs> Okay, yeah. No, it's funny, I know. It's crazy. 330 million gods. There's another religion that has 18 gods. Okay, that's getting a little better. Not really, though. It's just as bad. Folks, but today we're really going to focus on um, the more common daily things in our routines that we come across that we exalt above God and we treat them as idols, money, Right, money, sex, drugs, alcohol, food, relationships. Folks, sometimes we even put our children on that pedestal. We get our significance and our value, our self-worth from our children. And I don't know about you, but that's a, God didn't design our children to bear that weight, to bear that responsibility. Nobody can. Only God can. What else? Athletes, right? LeBron James, Michael Jordan, sports. College football season's up right now. I'm a, I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan and a New York Giants fan, Glenn and Wendy. Let's get, let's get that clear. <laughs> Folks, these aren't bad things. You know, these are, these are like good things, except for drugs and alcohol. But money, food, our children, relationships, athletes, sports, inherently they're not bad things. You know, they're good things, but we make good things God things. And that's what we're going to see in today's scripture. 
And it's how we process it in our hearts that makes it dangerous. So today's scripture, but it's not just about our idolatry. It's never really all about us. You know, sometimes we tend to make scripture all about us, but it's really all about God. God is giving us these, these stories in scripture to show us his character and his nature. As Christians, we're going through a, a progressive sanctification process that makes us more and more and more like Christ. God's molding us into the likeness of Jesus. And today, God, he gives us a preview of the heart of Jesus in today's scripture. I think up until now in the Bible, we haven't gotten such a clear picture of, of the, the essence of Christ, the heart of the man. And we're going get to that, get that today. Jesus has a heart of pure gold. And we're going to see his heart today. Today, God is saying, here's your sin, okay? But here's my son. Your sin, my son. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, God, thank you for bringing us all together here under one roof. God, for uh, one reason, none other than to worship you, Lord. I, I pray that the word you speak today uh, penetrates our minds and our hearts, and we, we evaluate and take inventory of the things in our life and what we're exalting and putting on a pedestal above you, God. God, because we know when we do this, life gets dangerous. God, and I pray that uh, your word changes hearts today, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Folks, if you can turn to Exodus 32 in your Bibles. Exodus 32. The first scriptures up there are verses 1 through 4. This is kind of set up, these verses, so I'm going to break it down a little bit uh, by each verse. Chapter 32, verse 1 through 4. So when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, as for this Moses, you can totally see it when I say it. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Folks, so Moses is on this 40-day absence, right? He's been up on Mount Sinai, and it's kind of serving two purposes. God wants to communicate his law to Moses and ultimately Israel. But it's also, it's a period of testing. God's testing Israel again. The, the number 40 is symbolic of, of testing in Scripture. Jesus' 40 days of temptation in the wilderness. Moses' 40 years in the wilderness with his father-in-law Jethro, maturing and growing and being tested by God. You know, I don't know about you guys, but when my parents would leave for the weekend, this is back in my high school days, Oh, Brian, we're leaving for the weekend. Can we trust you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can trust me. <laughs> I won't tell you any stories, though. Or, folks, even better yet, it's like when Ezra leaves, right? Our pastor, our Moses, he leaves on a vacation, and he puts me in charge, or Keith in charge. It can get dangerous if we're not careful. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of what's going on here. That's like Moses is like Israel's 
pastor, okay? And he's gone. So what you're seeing here is really the Israelites, they've become patient. It says there, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down, they're getting impatient. You know what I mean? The leader they could see was gone, but their invisible leader, God, was still there. God may be silent, but he's not absent. He's not absent. So what God's doing is he's revealing who they're really following. Moses. The second Moses leaves, they break faith. Right? They're really following Moses. Folks, when we follow man, when we follow man, we follow popular opinion. You see that? That's what's going on here. The people gathered themselves together. This is popular opinion. Their leader was gone. They're following Moses. They're following mere man. They're following popular opinion. And when we do that, we fall down. We fall down into idolatry. When we have no king, we do what is right in our own eyes. When Jesus is not the king of our lives, we open up the floodgates for all kinds of things to come into our lives. Guys, I kid you not, in Atlanta, Georgia, there's a church called the National Church of B. Who are they worshiping? Beyonce. No joke. I did my research. I wouldn't be preaching this up here if it wasn't real. The National Church of B, they're literally worshiping Beyonce Knowles. They have a congregation. They come together. They have their Bible. It's called a Beeble. It's funny, but it's not funny. It's a Beeble, and it's got all of her songs, right? And that's the, word, that's, that's the worship that they, they sing to are her songs. And then a preacher comes up, and he preaches from the songs and applies it to their lives. Literally, Beyonce is their savior. No joke. If you, don't, if you think I'm messing around, ask 23-year-old Tania Hattersfield. This girl killed herself, and she left a note behind saying she's a sacrifice to Beyonce. And when the authorities went into her house, they saw a shrine. The whole nine yards, the candles, the pictures of Beyonce. Dude, this girl was getting something, significance, value, self-worth from a celebrity, a singer. How far do we take it? How far do we take it? Moving along, verse 2. So Aaron said to them, Aaron was the, the guy kind of left in charge, right? Since Moses left. Aaron's the high priest. So this is kind of like, you know, me or Keith, okay? Because Ezra's gone. <laughs> so Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hands and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Aaron's a yes man. Aaron's a yes man. I'm not a yes man, just so you know. Neither is Keith. We have good leadership here. Folks, What's going on here? Israel has forgotten the grace of God. 
They have forgotten the grace of God. They forgot what God has done for them in the past. We see this throughout Exodus. They keep forgetting, right? What they've done here is they've made a false god. They've made a false god out of the very gold, the earrings that God gave them. All that gold was the plunder that God allowed them to have when they were leaving Egypt. That's a good thing. It's to be a reminder of what God did. Every time you wear that earring on there, remember, that was me. I delivered you from Egypt. That's a good thing. And now they're making it into a God thing. That's exactly what we do. We make good things into God things. Folks, we're professionals in turning good things into God things. People say our hearts are idle factories. Our hearts are idol factories. Anything and everything we'll worship if we don't have the true and living God in our hearts. Folks, for me, before I was a Christian, my idol legitimately was my career. I used to be a PGA golf professional, and I loved my career. It was everything to me. All my significance, all my value, all my self-worth was in my career as a golf professional. I traveled a lot, around a lot on the East Coast. You know, I met lots of people, saw different places, worked at some great places, and I kept a journal. You know, just because everything was so cool and interesting, I was like, man, I gotta write this stuff down. I just wanna journal it all. And I wanna read you some excerpts from this journal of mine. I was going through the journal on my old laptop. I hadn't read it in years. And I was going through it, and I'm like, this is just a different man. <laughs> it was sad. I, I lament over the man that I was before I became a Christian. You're not going to get the full breadth of the journal, but this should give you a pretty good idea of who I was back then and who my God was. The only person that really matters in my life is myself. I wrote that. Career is the most important thing in my life career is the most important thing in my life. I am who I am because of golf. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. I wrote, I am in great debt to golf because of what it has given me, a personality, a conscience. I'm lamenting here right now. The more I think about it, the more I realize that golf has never let me down, so I can't let golf down. I am making my career happen on my own. I find that I am so motivated, so hungry for success that I don't know how to contain myself. My career rests solely in my hands and I have complete control over it. With determination, I can and will make these goals happen. <laughs> That's what I think about that. Guys, but here's the thing, even though I'm a Christian now, it doesn't mean idols go away. It doesn't mean idolatry just disappears. Even as Christians, every day something else vies for our worship and our attention. Even so, as Christians, it actually gets worse because the devil starts attacking you. He doesn't want you to be a Christian. He doesn't want you to have Jesus. He doesn't want you worshiping Jesus 
So he puts all kinds of things in your life hoping that you give your attention and your affections to these things. It gets worse. How much more then do we need Jesus to fight for us? Moving along to verses 7 through 10. And the Lord said to Moses, <laughs> his lid's about to blow off, Go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. He's telling that to Moses. Moses doesn't know what's going on in his absence. God does. God's present. Like I said, he may be silent, but he's not present, or he is present. He knows what's going on. And his lid is about to blow off. He's about to go flood part two on Israel. Seriously. That's what he's saying there. Let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you, Moses. He really does want to go flood part two on Israel. He wants to wipe them out and start over again through Moses, just like he did with Noah. That's the wrath. That's the judgment we deserve for idolatry. But this is where a shift occurs in Scripture. So we've seen the sin, and now we're going to see the sun. We've seen the sin, now we're going to see the sun. Verses 11 through 14. But Moses implored the Lord, his God, and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented, the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. My man, Moses, my man. Folks, this is bold. Think about where Moses was like a month ago. He was a shepherd. He lacked confidence. In the very first sermon of this sermon series, God was like, I can't. Or Moses was like, I can't. I can't do this. I can't do this. Look at him now. He is boldly interceding for Israel. He's tangoing with God. This is bold prayer. This is one of the greatest intercessory prayers you will ever read in Scripture. God relents. God didn't, you can't look at it, he didn't change his mind. God relents. He's responding to bold prayer. God responds to bold prayer. He was drawing out of Moses' heart the passion for his people that God has for them. We now see what God is really doing. 
This is a, a teaching moment. This is a teaching moment, and he's pointing the way towards Christ. What we're seeing in Moses is a glimpse of the heart of Jesus. In Moses, God is developing a heart of gold like Jesus. Verses 15 through 20. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. Worship. Worship. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot. And he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. Moses, he didn't see it at first. God saw it. God told him about it. Now him and his boy Joshua are walking down the mountain and now they see it firsthand. And what's he do? He breaks the two tablets God engraved the commandments on out of his anger. <laughs> My man Moses. <laughs> My man. Folks, this is not, this isn't Moses being a numbskull. What you're seeing is righteous anger. This is the same anger you saw in Jesus when he came down from the Mount of Olives and he walks into, Jer into Jerusalem and he goes into the temple courtyards, right? And he sees the money changers. And he goes to the money changers and he flips the tables over. That's righteous anger. You're seeing the heart of Jesus developing and growing in Moses. This is righteous anger, what you're seeing. Verses 25 through 29. And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. And Moses said, Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost, at the cost of his son and of his brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. Moses draws a line, and the people have to make a decision. He challenges them to make a stand. The Lord God of Israel, or your fake God, we have this same decision today. And you see, their sin had to cost them something, and it was a great cost to them. It was of a great cost to them. Every day we have to make a stand for Christ, and every day we have to choose allegiance to the Creator. The Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Roman church in chapter 1, verse 25, 
He wrote, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. Guys, we gotta, we got to switch it around. Every day, we have to exchange the lie for the truth of God and worship our creator and not created things. On the cross, Jesus drew the line once and for all. Me or your fake gods. Me or your fake gods. This is getting really good. We're really going to see Jesus now in Moses. Verses 30 through 35. It's getting real in here. The next day Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. Please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And then the Lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf, the one that Aaron made. Moses intercedes for Israel again. And what's he do? This time, he offers himself as a sacrifice for the people. This is the heart of Jesus. This is the heart of Jesus Christ we're seeing. This is as good as it gets in a man or a woman. What an amazing picture of Christ. It's a heart of gold like Jesus. Moses understood the nature of salvation. We have sin. There needs to be a substitute, right? So the story seems to build up to this climactic finish where Moses gives himself up for the people. But that, that doesn't happen. God doesn't allow it. Why doesn't God allow it? Why doesn't God allow Moses to sacrifice himself for the people? It's because Moses couldn't die for them to atone for their sin. Because he himself is a sinner. That's why God doesn't allow this. God's willing to let someone die for someone else's sin, but the only sacrifice he can accept is a perfect, unblemished sacrifice. A perfect person, unstained by sin. So what God's saying here is like, Moses, I appreciate your willingness. Moses, you're my boy, man. I'm loving your heart right now. I appreciate what you want to do for the people. I appreciate that you want to give yourself up for them. But it's not you. You can't do it. But I got a guy that's coming. I got a guy that's coming. And not only is he going to atone for a group of people, he's going to atone for the whole world. Every man and woman that bows down to Jesus, Christ is going to atone for them. Some concluding things. Most of us don't struggle with worshiping a golden cow. 
right? I don't, unless there's somebody in here that's worshiping a cow, you don't have to raise your hands. <laughs> this message really isn't about a cow. It's really about what the cow represents. It's what the cow represents. Every one of us has something that competes with God for our affections and our attention. Every one of us has something that we overlay with gold, and we call it our God. Folks, it's not a golden calf problem. It's a heart problem. It's not a a money problem. It's a heart problem. It's not a car problem. It's a heart problem. It's not a food problem. It's a heart problem. It's not a house problem. It's a heart problem. It's not a Beyonce problem. She's not the one that's bad. It's okay for her to be doing what she's doing. It's not a Beyonce problem. It's a heart problem. It's us. It's us. So what God is showing us today is this. This is your sin. This is your sin. But this is my son. Pay attention to Moses. This is a glimpse of my son, the one who will come and will do what Moses wanted to do. Sacrifice himself. We're just like Israel. We're stiff-necked. We've sinned a great sin. We follow man, not God. So we follow popular opinion, right? And we make good things into God things. They made their gold earrings into a God thing. But our idolatry cost us a great deal throughout our lives. And it's progressive. Sometimes we don't even notice it. But over time, we just sink deeper and deeper and deeper into the sin until one day, God may snap his fingers, look what you're doing. Come back to me. Come back to me. Jesus' death and resurrection atones for us and pleads for our attention, and it drew the line once and for all, and we have a choice. Like Moses was to the Israelites, Jesus is our great intercessor. That bold prayer Moses gave, he lifted up to God. Jesus is our intercessor between us and God. He's passionate about us, just like Moses was becoming passionate about his people, and he cared for them. God is molding Moses and his heart into the likeness of Christ, and it's what he wants to do for us today. You see, from the beginning of Exodus, when Moses was a shepherd, lacked confidence, I can't do this, I can't do this, and then you go forward through the scripture, he's growing. You see these signs in his heart that he's growing. God's molding him into the likeness of his son, and he's providing for us today a picture of Jesus. And what we see in Moses is what we have in Christ. Righteousness, forgiveness, grace, and mercy. Moses isn't perfect. And he won't be perfect. But his heart is being molded into the likeness of Christ. God is giving us glimpses of his son Jesus. Jesus has a heart of gold that commands worship. And it's the only gold that we'll ever have to worship Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, 
God, we thank you for this message that you've given us today, Lord. God, when, the, when our congregation sees any of us speaking up here, I want them to see Jesus and not ourselves. Lord, because I know when it's the other way around, danger can cause, be caused, Lord. God, we see it out there. We see celebrity pastors. We see celebrity pastors all around the world. Are we seeing Jesus or are we seeing the celebrity pastor? And we lift these pastors up and we idolize them, God. We don't want that here at Riverside. God, help us do away with our idols. Rip them out of our hearts, Lord, and replace those idols with you. Jesus is heart of gold. It's all the gold that we'll ever need to worship. For all of our value, all of our significance, all of our self-worth, Jesus is the only one who can bear the weight of that. And all of those things, the only source of those things we can truly get them from is Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.